to Trek Companion. This is episode 77. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. Today we're discussing Next Gen's fourth season episodes, Suddenly Human, Remember Me, and Legacy. Here we go. Suddenly Human, season four, episode four, production number 176. Original air date, October 15th, 1990. Directed by Gabriel Beaumont. Story by Ralph Phillips. Teleplay by John Welpley and Jerry Taylor. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast includes Sherman Howard as Indar, Chad Allen as Jono Jeremiah Rosa, and Barbara Townsend as Admiral Connaught Rosa. Responding to a distress call from a stricken Tolarian vessel, an away team from the Enterprise discovers that the ship is manned by five teenagers, one of whom is human. While treating them, Dr. Crusher finds that the young human shows signs of severe past injuries. The boy, called Jono, will not communicate with anyone among the crew and only responds to Picard after learning that he is the captain. The boy requests that Picard return him to Endar, the Tolarian father, father who raised him, fearing that the boys for the boy's safety, Picard refuses. But I've committed a terrible crime. I want to know is why. You seemed so happy just a few hours ago. I was. But then I thought about my father. I felt I had betrayed him. Adam, yes. start us off on Suddenly Human. Suddenly Human. It's a decent episode. I would call it like a middle-of-the-road episode. It was, um, you know, it has an interesting kind of like, you know, whatever, what a Tarzan kind of feeling, you know, the boy who returns home kind of feeling. It's kind of what I was thinking about when I was watching it. Um, Overall, though, I kind of just kind of I kind of found it unremarkable. I mean, like I said, it was kind of I found it to be kind of a middle of the road episode. It wasn't. I didn't find it bad. I didn't find it good. Mm-hmm. It was just one that was like, okay, this is kind of your normal run of the mill Star Trek episode. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of like that too. And I think it's not necessarily there was poor execution or something like that. It's just the well, one the of that issue with many episodes have where they focus on a guest actor so much that you know even though it's kind of a picard story but it's it's you know so much focuses on this jono and uh, also because this story is so kind of tired i mean you you know where this this goes you know you have the whose child is this raised in an alien environment thing you know et cetera, et cetera. i mean you know we've seen this a million times in different iterations well were you at least uh, i don't know a little surprised that uh, Picard elects to send him back. Um, yeah, a little bit. I remember. I remember in the the first time I saw it, I I didn't really anticipate that eventuality. So that's there's something to be said for that. I think. Um, yeah, you know, I, and the other the other thing is, it, the, I think the boy does a good job actually. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's hard to find good child actors, but I think he's mm. he's pretty decent. And we've definitely seen a couple of. Um, I'm looking at you, that first episode that Ron Moore wrote, where the kid loses his mom. Mm. That, that kid was not very good, but, I mean, this kid is like, he's good, you know? Um, but, yeah, it just, um, it's weird, because it's it's just, it never kind of, it never really gels, and it never feels like it's more than the sum of its parts, you know? It's, it's, it's good, it's fine, yeah, just mm-hmm. like you guys were saying. Um, but I'm never, you know... There's very little about this episode. I think it could have, could have been almost anywhere in next gen because it doesn't really have any kind of real effect on our characters. Um, we get some insight into Card's, you know, inability to communicate with children. We got we you know we've seen that before. Uh, Card's inability to um, relate to two children, um, but you know, getting a little bit of insight into actually why you know that he was. Uh, friendless child himself i mean that, that's kind of interesting but does he resolve any of those issues i don't think so it doesn't feel like picard but by the end of this episode is picard really any different than he was at the beginning i don't think so i think he's just going to be just as uncomfortable around children um kind of the only thing that we get near the end is when picard kind of says you know we made a mistake by not listening to what's his name jono 
Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We made a mistake by not listening to Jono. Um, okay. You know, but um, I don't know. So, yeah, it's just kind of an unremarkable. I, honestly, I kind of feel that about, I think, the majority of what we're going to be discussing today. Nothing bad. Nothing's bad here, but it's just generally fine they'd be, episodes. They'd be great episodes in the first season is what you're trying to say, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, it take much. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of agree with what Steve said earlier. There's nothing that I, I think they did wrong or exe- it wasn't anything like, executional-wise. It's just... um. Yeah, I kind of agree with him when he said, like, you know, the story, there's nothing new to the story. Like I said, we've kind of, if you've watched any TV or read any literature, you know, you've read this type of story before and they didn't really add anything new to it. There's no new wrinkle or anything to this type of story. So it is what it is. It's not It's not a bad episode. In my research, my prep for this episode, I, I think it was an interview with Michael Piller. I can't remember now. One of the things I read... He was talking about, like, he really liked the script, and this is a Jerry Taylor script, right, Steve? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is one of her first scripts solo. Yeah. Um, of course, she's going to go on to be really huge. She's going to write lots of Star Trek. I believe she's a co-creator on Voyager, which mm-hmm. I guess would be her single biggest star of Star Trek. Uh, she wrote some of the books, including one of the very few that's sort of-ish canon um, so she's going to be huge in Star Trek, but she's kind of getting her start here. Um, and um, Michael Piller essentially said in this interview that he, he loved the script. He thought it was a very good script. But what disappointed him about the actual episode uh, was that the aliens that raised Jeremiah needed to be way, way, way more alien. Mm. It would have been a lot more poignant um, and had a lot more to say. And, and the point would have been um, more effective. What the story was about um, had they been had they been you know the Talarians been far more alien and far less human, which is unfortunately what they were. Uh, I kind of see that you know it's hindsight's twenty twenty. It's, it's sometimes it's you know it's hard to imagine it. Also, sometimes it's hard to imagine something you know different after you've seen it one way. But it's hard for me to imagine that that would have made it a great episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it you know, we were touching on it earlier when you spoke of how, you know, Picard doesn't develop much. I think the more um kind of like standard and unoriginal kind of the the, the basic premise of an episode is, the more character development must carry it or something must carry it whether it's like action scenes or or whatever, you know, and there's just there's just nothing that comes out and and and, and and boost the, the boost the whole episode up from the um, like you said the Tarzan notion or whatever you want to call this. You yeah, know? well, think about you know we discussed family on our last episode, right? Mm-hmm. What really happens in that episode? You could probably you could explain that whole story in a sentence. Yeah, easy, uh, but it's an incredible freaking episode uh, because just what you were saying, Steve. It it has to massively step up the actual character drama and the character. Um, you know, advancements and progression um, and based on the fact that the story is simple. It's just incredible character writing for our characters. So, you know, I think that maybe Jerry Taylor had a good story here and she does some good character stuff for the characters that aren't really our characters, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, come on. Whoa, whoa. Okay. Uh, something I liked about this episode, I said that I liked, I said that I liked, um, uh, that little bit of insight we get into why it is Picard is uncomfortable with children. Mm-hmm. I said that I like um, the child's performance. I think he's good. Um, and there are a few moments when they physically bond. I suppose Picard and um, and Jonar mm-hmm. um, that I bought actually, and I thought those were those were good. Mm-hmm. Um, when when he stabs Picard with a knife in his sleep, um, that's pretty jarring. But yeah. I think that I I did buy that. Not long after, you know, I could see how troubled the kid was, and, and the the culture that he was raised in. There might have been some logic to his action. Um, I don't know. Is there anything you guys would say? You, do you like um, futuristic racquetball? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't much different. 
<laughs> no, not really. Current racquetball. The ball glows more. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe their pants pants were a little tighter. <laughs> I thought it was kind uh, of funny the uh, um, when when uh, Jonah or Jono and the uh, father character are having the talk and they want a little privacy yet. Um, Picard and Troy are still this in the background, like, and I'm like, imagine what are they talking about there? And is that really privacy? You know, there's kind of like, so what are you thinking? You know, I mean, it, it couldn't have been, you know, just a few feet away. <laughs> what are you doing later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I like the scenes between um, Picard and Deanna. I kind of, I found it kind of yeah. humorous that she wasn't gonna. She, she was basically telling him what to do. I mean, you know, you don't really think of that kind of. You you know that. You know, their their relationship's different than anybody else's. I mean, you know, Riker couldn't come in and just demand that, you know, that right. the captain's going to do something. And maybe maybe Beverly could if it was something medically. But, I mean, I think Deanna's the only one that could actually get away with that, with Picard. It's kind of like, you know, you know you're going to do it because you're the only one who can. So I, I found that kind of amusing, mm-hmm. the whole the, the little relationship banter there early on in the episode. <laughs> Um, it, I guess it, one thing it struck me just a hair, so like the scene uh, in Ten Forward with um, Wesley and the banana split, and he's laughing. Jay um, Jeremiah is laughing. It, it did feel a little bit like fast. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of smooths itself out since shortly after that he's stabbing a card, and you think, <laughs> okay, well, it was it was okay that it was fast because he was really just going nutty. Yeah. Um, but still, that that always seemed a little bit, you know. I thought they could have dropped the whole, you know, question of child abuse. I thought they kind of lingered on that a little bit too long, you know. Yeah, that probably shouldn't have been there at all, actually. I think that it was just too easy to, you know, another thing in my prep for the episode, a lot of people wrote in thinking that they were condoning child abuse or something. Mm-hmm. I don't think that at all. No. Uh, I don't, it's just, that's just not what the episode about. It was very incidental. It was just another way of illustrating this culture was different. But they just, they should have found another way to do it, you know. Yeah, it, didn't, it didn't come off very well. No, no. Um, but you know, if we get into what this thing is about, it it is there are some interesting questions about you know um, who who should have custody and you know is it biological or or where he was raised? You know, I have a son who's at this point a little over two years old. <laughs> I remember I was so I guess because when I was a kid, I remember watching like a, some TV movie about where, um, you know, two babies were switched at birth, and then when they were like 10, they figured it out. And the question is, should they go back? Should they swap and go to their, you know, their biological parents or just stay with the, the parents and culture they've known for the first 10 years of their life? I remember I was so ter- terrified that my baby was going to be switched, I think, because that TV movie. But anyway, um, you know, it, it is a kind of legitimate uh, question. Um, now... This episode's probably trying to be about several things, um, and I think that maybe it's the rare exception where it is trying to be about something, but it's just not terribly entertaining. Maybe it's just not entertaining enough, you know, because it is. There are so many cliches, that, and and it, and we've seen so much of it done before uh, that it doesn't feel very interesting to watch. I guess. What do you guys think it's about? Yeah, I think they're going for the like you said those those raising those questions in nature versus nurture um you know what what is more important you know the um the blood or the upbringing these kinds of things i I think that's what they're going and i'm not saying they they didn't touch on these issues and like we alluded to earlier the the ending is a bit um, unexpected perhaps it's just, maybe it is just that way maybe it's just it's just presented in such a kind of a flat fashion that you just don't you know, it's just not particularly interesting or something. Um, I keep imagining the conversation that Picard's going to have to have with that the grandmother admiral. Yeah, oh man. I'm sure, I'm sure that's <laughs> not going to be a pretty talk. But I didn't, you know, they got. No, he says. Down to it. Um, oh my god, I, I totally forgot to tell you. I, I misplaced that child. <laughs> <laughs> Your grandson? Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't know where he is. Hold on, he was here somewhere. Give me a minute. <laughs> just ex- just exaggerates things like, well, you I mean he tried to stab me? You know, so we just had to mm, lose him. He's sorry. Yeah, well. <laughs> what were you saying, Caesar? I'm sorry. I don't even remember. Oh, like, <laughs> um, 
pure like uh, Star Trek Trekker fanatic enjoyed seeing pseudo pictures of a Starfleet uniform from like 13 years earlier in those mm. pictures. That was weird. That was one of those few things where I was watching those sequences. So, and then I like that scene too when when Picard. It's an obvious choice, but when Picard shows him, you know, pictures of his parents. Um, I found myself thinking, you know, they remastered this thing in HD. Those pictures look great. Did they, like, have those pictures somewhere still? Or <laughs> They look too good to have been transferred. If they transferred into the film, I, I doubt they would have done that. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was really yeah, wondering about yeah. yeah. it. looked as we Again, we don't mention it enough, but everything looked freaking awesome right. in HD. Right. Um, I don't know. I think, I, I guess I, I guess we've covered this. We didn't have a lot to say, but... Um, yeah, so I mean, it is trying to be about something, and in that sense, it it seems to hold up. Um, the performances are good, but you know, not terribly remarkable, not terribly memorable. I do wonder if it would if it would be very different if um the Talarians had been completely alien. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay, uh, let's move on. Six Degrees for Suddenly Human. Um, Adam, since you started us on the discussion, would you like to go first or second? Um, I'll go first. Sherman Howard plays Endar, Jono's Talarian daddy. In DSI's third season in the episode Shakar, he played the Vulcan Sivar, and he competed against O'Brien at darts. O'Brien is forced to forfeit the game. Why um, he threw a shoulder out. That is correct. Steve, in Voyager's seventh season, Howard played the Klingon Degreth in the episode Prophecy. Degreth's Klingon commander, Kalar, believes Torres's baby was the Klingon savior. But Degreth does not believe Torres's baby is the Klingon savior. Why? Mm, I remember this episode um, vaguely. Says, can't That baby cannot be the... Parma, I can't remember what the Klingons Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, was it because uh, Taurus is only half Klingon? You're correct. That was the reason. One to one, moving on. Remember Me, Season 4, Episode 5, Production Number 179. Original air date, October 22nd, 1990. Directed by Cliff Bowl, written by Lee Sheldon, music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Eric Minyuk as The Traveler, Bill Irwin as Dalen Quace, Colm Meany as Miles O'Brien, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. After escorting her friend, Dr. Dalen Quace, aboard the USS Enterprise, Beverly is deeply moved by his sadness over losing his wife and other people he has loved. She seeks out her son, Wesley, and finds him in engineering, working with a warp bubble on a computer screen. While she watches his experiment, inadvertently causes a strange flash of light. Soon afterwards, Dr. Crusher is unable to locate her friend, Dr. Quace. I'll say it surprises me. There should be at least four members of my staff on duty at all times. I'm afraid ship's records do not concur, Doctor. What are you talking about? You do not have a staff. You're telling me I'm the sole medical officer on a ship with over a thousand people on board. Excuse me, Doctor, but the entire ship's complement is 230. Remember me. Okay, so the first thing I wrote was, why would you ever let Wes near the warp core? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, let, me, let me just let me just play around here with this idea. You know. Just a warp core, <laughs> and we're just parked at a star base, <laughs> and they and they don't further investigate the flash. It's kind of like, I don't know what that was. It's kind of, you know, it's, yeah. all, it's like hmm. <laughs> it's only a flash in engineering. Let's not worry about that. Hmm. Um, shockingly, I think this is a. This is a decent episode, but but here's the shocking part. It's a decent Crusher episode, and she's good in it, and it works for her character. This is the only one? (laughs) I'm trying to say something positive, Steve. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But yeah, it might be the only one. But that's what's so shocking, you know? It's because I I can sure name a lot of Crusher episodes that I don't care for. I've talked about maybe that's the reason that I don't like her character as much as most of the other characters, but... Yeah, and I, I think she's I think she's a good actress. She just doesn't get stuff to do. And here she's basically on her own for a third of the episode. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and she hold, you know, it holds up. You know, I, and when it's when it's shots of her practically by herself or by herself, I'm not sitting there thinking, please cut to somebody else. I don't think that at all. I'm not thinking that at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of an interesting <laughs> mystery-ish kind of thing. And this is not, I mean, this is not a great episode, but I think that she, the reason this is entertaining is because of her. And I can't say that very often in watching this show. And if it weren't, if if her performance wasn't entertaining, if her character wasn't wasn't interesting to watch in this exact scenario, um, then the episode would definitely fall apart. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't because of her. Yeah. Which, you know, that's the best compliment that I'm probably ever going to be able to give her. <laughs> but I mean that I in a positive way, not a negative one. And I think it's just because they don't particularly write well for her character. Yeah, well, so. it's... I, I think they've never really they never really knew what to do with her. With Troy, they kind of never knew, but I maybe they just got lucky a couple of times. They kind of figured you know. it out with her. A well, bit. I mean, most of the writers were were guys, and I think that a lot of the time they didn't know what to do with the women. Um, <laughs> and, well, I kind of go ahead. Well, and then the other thing, I I never get the impression that the women were they weren't as you know, like some of the other, like some of the other actors, I mean, they would come and tell the writers things that they would want. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I've seen interviews with, with, with um, McFadden and um, Sirtis where they've talked about how they kind of stayed out of it, the writers' room, and that maybe that was a mistake. But right, right. This is a really this is totally uh, irrelevant it seems but there's a, this is a very good indicator where that there is indeed two colors of blue uniforms and uh, you know because they're side <laughs> by side when she's walking with her mentor you know it's like you always kind of know what's with the one of them's more green there's one that's more blue but there they are you know it's right you know quite obvious <laughs> so it's not just that he was old right he's really, yeah it was just mold or yeah. something <laughs> yeah. well you know like his skin like if he was standing by himself. And your eye is trying to adjust for his paler bulge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's not it, clearly, because he's... Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, go ahead. so I, I had two thoughts when I was watching this episode. It, it, this episode kind of reminded me of the one with um, Dr. Bashir, where he's losing his mind. I, can, I don't recall the name of the episode. Mm-hmm. Where he has that... What is that? That There's creature an alien. That, yeah. That does the mind thing on him, and he's actually inside his head, and he loses yeah. everybody in there. So it reminded me of that one. And I also kind of noticed with like um, with Crusher, it always seems like um, she's more often than not having to convince people that she's not crazy. And I think <laughs> this is the uh, this isn't this is I don't think this might be the first time we've seen it, but I don't think it'll be the last time. I think there's one where we see a, like a time loop episode where she's like trying to convince people, and then there's the one where that where she's trying to help the Ferengi and the and the warp ship, where she's trying to. So I I kind of was thinking about it's like she's always having to try to convince people that she's not crazy. So that's what those are the two things that popped in my head when I'm watching this. Well, I like I like these the sequences when she's like. What? There's only 200 people on this ship. What? There's only 100 people on this ship. Yeah, I don't have any yeah. medical staff. You know, it's it's um, it's entertaining, and you're like, what the heck's going on? Um, and it, and and it's it's a fun kind of you know stir you up dramatically whenever she's like, does that sound make sense to you, Picard? That it's just you and me on this ship. Mm-hmm. And you're like, we needed a crew before. <laughs> you know, that's it's fun, and it's um, it also kind of you, you feel for her. You feel what she's feeling there. Um, so that's cool, and and that's that's a variation on the person alone in a ship or whatever. But it's but it's still it's it's in its own way. I I feel like we hadn't really had that before. Mm-hmm. We hadn't had that sort of. This is all just makes sense to you, doesn't it? You know, I that that's kind of fun. That's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, I feel like this is. Um, I mean, it, this has the vibe of like Twilight Zone episodes, you know. I mean, I don't know yeah. what it is, but I kind of felt that kind of groove when I was watching it. I mean, obviously, the best Twilight Zone episodes are the best, and this is like a middle of the road next gen episode. But it, that had like the kind of feel where it's just kind of like, what's going on? And this is so twisted, and, and and most of the episode is that way, you know. It's that kind of weird mystery that you can't really explain. Do you think it would have been better if they would have just not had the, you know, because like what is it, about two thirds into the episode, you find out what's really going on. It goes back to what's the original, travelers. As originally written, it did not cut back to the real universe, and it was really just with her and until she kind of figures out a way back. Um, and they felt like that was that was too weak, and they and it was too confusing, um, and they needed to show this other side. But I, you know, 
In hindsight, I think it would have been better the other way because, like what Steve was saying, it would have made it a little bit more Twilight Zoney. You know, like what the heck's going on here, and then you kind of get the, your resolution there in the last five minutes. We figure. I, I think it would have been a challenge. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go. Oh, well, I just I think one thing I think though is if they had gone that route, I think it'd been quite the challenge to fill it up with interesting things. Because one thing I did note is, okay, so once we know what's going on, like two thirds of the way through the episode, you know, when they did come back to Crusher, it's, it started to feel like sometimes there it would drag. You know, especially when it's getting down to just her and she's roaming around, and then it's like, oh my god, yeah, what's going on? Once, yeah, once the mystery is gone, then you're kind of waiting for her, yeah, for her to figure it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you one reason that I would have like to just stay on her and this is probably going to seem blasphemous to Trek fans because <laughs> I'm like the only person I know that can really say this but sorry I've always thought the Travelers I don't know maybe I should go back and listen to what I said on the last episode but he feels lame to me he's always seemed a little bit lame and I know he's really popular and I know that's like this is one of those few times they brought him back because the character was like so popular mm-hmm. but I never really got it he's just not that Maybe it's just that he doesn't hold up because he seems like I don't know. I would agree with you in this. I would agree with you in this episode, Brian, that he just kind of it just seems like they just kind of threw him in there to throw him in there, and it just didn't really fit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of his um, three appearances, this is this is the most forced. But and I always remember his last appearance. It's just again, it's such a brief portion of the episode. I guess his first appearance works the best for me because, and I and maybe I kind of like there. I don't know. I have to think about it. But, but for that one, he's actually part of the episode. When he just kind of steps in here, you know, it's just like, um, I don't know, some weird, omnipotent, um, hippie or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he's all see all smiles and everybody's one with the universe and it's kind of pretentious and yeah, I know. yeah. And it yeah, will and it. They don't do anything new. It's kind of the same thing from the previous episode that he was in where he's like, you know, talking Wesley into his savantness, you know, just, you know, hey, breathe deeply and um, look past the equations. And to me, that's kind of what he was doing and the last time um, he showed up. I did, uh, you know, we'll get to it, you know, down the road, but I do like his last appearance with when Wesley, you know, finally decides he's going to go about his merry way. But this one just seems like uh, it just does it just doesn't fit. Uh, and I like the idea of them maybe just staying on Crusher the whole episode, and just and you know they could have come you know you could have come up with some creative writing in there to fill that time. But um, thinking about it, yeah, she was just seemed like she was just walking back and forth, you know aimlessly not really knowing what to do so even when we find out what was going on i liked i I know this is i'm sure reading too much into it but i think it's interesting um for the uh, picard crusher kind of relationship in that um he's the last one to go and it's all in her head really you know this this thing and in her mind it's just them two left on the ship you know and that's something in her subconscious that brought her to that point and she almost gets to tell him what she always wanted to tell him. Oh, yeah, almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> always almost. I like uh, just the, the fan of the original series in me. Anytime you see somebody, like, alone, walking around, like when she's alone on the bridge or something, you know, it reminds me of a couple of those original series episodes mm-hmm. when they go to a sister ship or something just to save money. Yeah. But <laughs> just it's a tiny little thing. I'm sure it wasn't even trying to reference the original series, but I, that part, I, I wish it always tickles me, and I like that. Mm-hmm. The, the effects actually, the the effects work when she's on the bridge and sort of getting like sucked into the vortex and like holding on to that chair. That's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of cool. Um, so what's this episode about? I guess it would have to be about loss. Partly. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely a lot of allusions to that. You know, her whole uh, created self-created universes based on her uh, her concerns of, of loss and losing people and you know how our in that way our universe you know it doesn't consistently shrink obviously people come into our lives and, and they leave our lives but uh, in that way we all have our own little world in, in that sense and maybe that's what they're going for I'm not sure yeah I'll take that um yeah, I mean, that helps to kind of hold up. Um, but, I, you know, I think yeah, something you said, Steve, I, I like that idea about 
what it illustrates about her character that Picard's the last one in her mind. You know, I hadn't really thought about that, but that's that's nice, you know, and it it, it shows you maybe one of the more subtle ways that this episode is showing us more about her character. Um, so I, I think with this one, it's like uh, it starts off in a lot more. It's a lot more interesting to me, and maybe halfway through, maybe three quarters of the way through, it starts to lose not be as interesting. Um, but as long as the mystery section is still going, it's it's kind of fun, and it's and it's just different enough to keep you interested and interesting. And mm-hmm. yeah. oh, well, you so know I, what? I'll tell you one last thing. My favorite moment in this episode. Mm-hmm. There's something about it. It was nice when she's on the bridge. It's just her and Picard, and she gives like this impassioned plea about how do you not remember so and so and so and so and so and so. And so she's naming like each of their friends and the, the bridge crew and, and others, and she's saying something special about that person. Yeah, you know, and it's and it's it's really nice because it's um you don't. They don't have time. We don't see a lot of these interactions that would really help define them as such friends. Um, but a moment like that, it 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 shows her character as more of a real person, and it shows that there it shows their interactions, and that they are family um, in kind of a tangible kind of way that we just don't get very often. Mm-hmm. I really liked that moment, and it kind of blindsided me because I didn't remember it at all. Um, so that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you going to say something to um, <laughs> um, I don't recall. I was listening to what you were saying. It made me think the same thing. Because it's like, say, Brian, you talk too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so insightful and meaningful. Oh. <laughs> Cause, well, cause, yeah, I think it's because it's the kind of thing you usually only hear in like a series finale or something. These kinds of you know sweeping things like, oh, well, the time we've spent together and this person is this or, or someone's dead or something. You know, these kind of statements. But mm. instead we get it mid-series, you know, like this. Well, so we have ourselves that incredible rarity, a decent Crusher episode. <laughs> well, I think you hit it. I think you hit it on the head earlier when you talked about these three episodes that we're talking about today. They're they're just they're they're kind of just in the middle. They're not like um, great. They're not bad. They're just all in the middle. But they, yeah, I mean, I I enjoy. I mean, I enjoyed all three of these, but um, I'm, they're not they're not something I'm gonna you know be on my top ten list or something. I'm gonna go back and watch just one. I heard. Did, Steve, did you just uh, hear? Steve, did you just hear Adam say that "Remember Me" is in his top ten list? Mm, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just stick with, just stick with that. Uh, I can edit that, you know. We'll be getting, we'll be, we'll be getting letters now. I'm con- I'm concerned that that you believe this is in your top ten list. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know if he should be on the podcast. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Six degrees for Remember Me. I believe our score is one to one. Adam, you went first last time. So, Steve. Okay. Eric Menyuk returns as the Traveler. His first appearance was as this character in what season one episode? I'm looking for the name of the episode. Oh, uh, I think that was Where No One Has Gone Before. You are correct, Adam. He will again play the Traveler in Journey's End in which season of Next Gen? Um, I'm going to say six. No. <laughs> Eve? Seventh. You're correct. Seven. Uh, three, one, moving on. Legacy, season four, episode six, production number 180. Original air date, October 29th, 1990. Directed by Robert Shearer, written by Joe Minoski, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Beth Toussaint as Ishara Yar, Don Miro as Hain, Colm Meany as Miles O'Brien, Vladimir Velasco as Tan Su, and Christopher Michael as Coalition Lieutenant. The crew responds to a distress call from a stricken Federation freighter that is orbiting the planet Tarkania, birthplace of their late comrade Tashi Yar. The, fla- the freighter explodes, but Data detects an escape pod heading towards the planet. Picard dispatches an away team to rescue the crash crew members. Upon reaching the planet's surf- surface, Riker and his team meet Hayden, leader of the Coalition, one of the planet's two warring factions. When Data reveals the former 
former that their former crew member was born on Tarkania. Hayen offers aid in the search with the help of one of his comrades, Biarsha Yar, Tasha's sister. I don't care about your crewmen. We have 3,000 troops waiting at the perimeter. When the defenses go down, they'll come in. The Alliance will fall. The Federation will be responsible for the resulting deaths. I cannot allow that. Legacy. Steve, you want to kick us off? Well, it kind of strikes me in terms of the look as an earlier, like an earlier episode. I think it's the people in mullets that look like they're roadies for Bon Jovi or something. I mean, you know, that kind of look or whatever, you know. Uh, I mean, I remember this because of the, you know, Tasha's sister and these kinds of things and the interactions with Data and so on and so forth. I mean, so I remembered the episode, but it never struck me as a particularly interesting one. I I don't know. I just kind of, I didn't think there was a whole lot new, um, new for this episode to say and it, like I said it kind of felt like it could have gone in the first season even or something maybe not meaning that it was an awful episode I think they were trying to say something but you know just... well it certainly has that you know the two factions on the planet yeah. kind of earlier Star Trek yeah. next gen and thing yeah, yeah I, I had a problem with the premise yeah just the whole premise is like the city and it's almost like they're playing paintball with each other <laughs> instead of having you know like this the way it's described early on by Tasha and and the other crew members, it's like this really horrible place. And then they get it's. I'm I'm serious. I'm like it's looked like more like a paintball court than than a warring factions. And just the whole premise of just like, okay, is there just this one city on this planet and it has two war? So I normally stuff like that doesn't bother me too much, but in this mm. case, it kind of did just because of the way they they set it up. Um, they set it. Yeah, it wasn't this, like it wasn't that terrible, miserable. Uh, little kids having to tie their belts around their stomachs really tight so they wouldn't feel the hunger, misery. We didn't see any of that at all. Yeah. yeah. In a way, it kind of cheapens some of the uh, what we heard from Tasha in the first season about her upbringing because now we go there and we granted, okay, it could have changed somewhat over time, but it seems a lot more like you said. It seems like a a game and you know the, just the normal. Okay, everyone's one side against another and they wear little tags so they sense each other and all that stuff. But you don't see any kind of humanity or anything like that. So it's not even as um, uh, physically daring as paintball. It's more like laser tag. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, they're stealing each other's whiskey. Come on, I mean, how... <laughs> it felt like a prank. It felt like kind of like a, a frat... A frat, a frat like, oh, we, we stole a whiskey, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, take this take this to your captain, you know what I mean? He's all he's the wine connoisseur and stuff, and I'm sure he's digging this wacky synthahol, you know, off-brand, whatever. whatever. Well, you're right. I mean, the, it, it is somehow still memorable just because it's Yar, and, you know, they got the right girl to play the character you know she's she's good and she she seems she, physically she seems like someone that could be yeah your <laughs> sister uh, yeah even her hair they obviously went out of their way to make the hair kind of the same um but yeah it's um every time they're on the planet it feels the, the actual set design and stuff is probably okay um it's just the people, the way they're living and what they're doing, it doesn't seem, doesn't seem, it, it like you said, it cheapens the other stuff. Um, but I, I like some of the stuff up on the, on the Enterprise, um, Shara. I certainly like kind of the relationship with Data, although my one gripe about that is I felt like it, maybe it should have focused more on that. Like there were too many other characters mm-hmm. doing too many other things. Like I, I don't look at this and think, oh, that's the data episode with Ishara Yar. No, definitely yeah. I do not think that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And well, it probably would have made it better if they did. You know, focused. I definitely think it would have made it better because it would have made even like that end moment, end end moment, the you know data's betrayal, which mm-hmm. is kind of what this kind of ends up being sort of about. Is you've got this innocent um, guy that that is betrayed by this one. Um, that would have been way more effective if it, the whole episode had focused a little bit more, just a little bit more, on Data and, and Yar's relationship. Because it, it kind of takes a while to to get to that point. Oh, you yeah. know, before that, it, there's a lot of other characters doing a lot of other stuff. You know, and they, they set the episode up that way, right in the beginning, you know, with them. 
Riker and Data, they're doing the card trick and everything like that, and that kind of just sets the premise for the episode, to me at least, looking back at it, you know, because Riker can't, can't seem to fool Data anymore in cards, and then you have this whole episode where he's completely fooled by, um, mm. um, yeah. by her, and, um, so it's, um, I enjoyed that kind of that, um, I, I, li- I like that texturing, you know, this this is what the episode's going to be about, about Data learning learning a new card trick almost in a way. And I think I think it also had the the side effect of making everyone look a little stupid, like bad judges of character or something, because it seemed like by, by, by the end, everyone was just gung-ho, you know, like, oh, man, she's awesome, you know, she is like the sister of Tasha, and oh, maybe she'll join Starfleet. And it seemed like a lot of people really were starting to have faith in her, despite her attitude just like 24 hours earlier or whatever it was. And I, I think, you know, because of that relationship and everyone seemed to, you know, it, it, took, it took time away from the data stuff, and it also made them all kind of look a little silly, you know, being all being fooled or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, to an extent, we, I, I was complaining about in Suddenly Human today, you know, about the child's uh, rather rapid changes. Yeah. But I, I, I understand it's a it's an hour of television. Sure. It's a more like forty six minutes of television, um, and they they got to do a lot. But hey, we we've, we've seen plenty of episodes where it doesn't feel rushed, so I know it can be done. So. It's a, it's a fair criticism, is what I'm saying. Even mm-hmm. despite the fact that it's a one-hour television program, it's fair criticism, you know. Yeah. And they, maybe they just needed to start her character somewhere else, or have it go not as far. I don't know, but but yeah, it feels a little bit like like she's so fast that it should have been that the other characters around her. I mean, even Worf is just immediately like, oh, it'll be us that that. Is you know has a good day when you you just yeah yeah Starfleet. I'm gonna be like, dude, what's her name? I mean, you barely know the girl. <laughs> well, we know what we know. What Warp was looking at. He was checking her out there when she was mm. working with Data. He's like, See, get that long look at her <laughs> in her seven and nine tights there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I like the explanation Ricard has there at the end. He's like, I think we're, we were all taken in. We we, all, each of us wanted to see Tasha. I think it says something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. we saw more than yeah. what was there, and I, I really enjoyed that line at the end that that he gave of the character. And I also enjoyed that the um the episode doesn't really have a happy ending. You know, it doesn't really. It's not all kind of wrapped up nice and neat. Um, you kind of have this. You kind of have this not so good feeling at the end of this episode, really, to be honest. And even it's not like oh, this was. It, it's it's not a bad. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. You guys kind of get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do, well, do you think that Data grows over the course of this episode? By the end of the episode, I mean, is, is he going to be different now? I don't know. See, and and, it, and and that's that's the thing is what it's, what's kind of interesting with his exchange with Riker at the end. You know, he's saying, uh, "Well, you know, it's fortunate I'm spared the emotional consequences," and Riker, you know, something to the effect of, "I suppose so." But you know, I mean, I think most people believe that it's the emotions that make you that make certain experiences stick out to you i mean we 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 look back and it's the embarrassments and the you know it's the bad stuff and the good stuff but it's it's the feelings you had that make those things memorable well you know there's it's a bit debatable on how much we feel data doesn't have emotions at all you know we're kind of that's kind of up for debate but if if he's really totally neutral on that you it makes it hard to buy that he is growing from it because it's the it's the it's the disappointment. It's the emotions. It's the whatever that may look what I look what happened to me. When someone feels the impact of that, you can buy that they're growing from the experience. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I think I made this argument before. I don't. I I never felt that data is completely emotionless. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of make that point when he's you know playing with their little glass chip there right at the, the very last scene. That you know, and they explain it in terms of that. That you know, data can you know the neuron pathways. They, you know, and I anticipate things, and you know, in a lot of ways, that's kind of how it it works for us, how our brains and things of that nature work. And so, I don't see data. I've never really, at least years that have gone by, I don't see data as being an, an emotionalist character. I think he's full of a lot of emotion. It's just in a different way than mm-hmm. than human beings feel it. And um, so I think he does grow there. Um. I love that it it stays that that last shot whenever you know just she's beaming off and it it just stays on Data's face a little bit longer than we would normally stay on somebody's face in that kind of moment you know mm-hmm. and I I love that it does that because it does give you that extra beat of 
you know, what is he feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, and and I I definitely think that, and I definitely feel I'm, I'm I feel some empathy there, and the second I feel empathy, well, I mean, if I'm feeling empathy, he must be feeling something, you know. Right. Um. Anyway, I just, I just like that it like gives you that extra beat because if they'd cut away sooner, it wouldn't have happened at all. Well, did did you like that scene with Riker? Because they go straight to that. You know, that. I did, but but it, I mean, it seems like it would have been a more effective episode if it if it had just if that if it had ended with with the transporter. Um, exactly. You know, it felt tacked on in the same way that the opening sequence when they're playing cards. It just feels so long that it feels like you know, like they were playing for time because maybe the episode came up short or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't find any evidence of that in my research, but it's what it felt like. I mean, it seemed like an abnormally long. Um, Opening, but anyway, yeah, that in that last scene with him and Riker. I mean, I wonder how it would have played if you if you cut that scene before uh, he takes Yar, you know, to the transporter, so that you could cut out on the transporter. See, so, see, so I kind of disagree. I think if they would have if they would have ended it right there in the transporter room, I don't think you could make the argument that Data grew at all from the situation. I think the scene with Riker was... I think that gives you a little bit that Data is thinking about this and, and has grown from the situation. Um, now, I mean, you could, let, you, could, you could leave it right there in the transporter scene and just leave it up to the viewer whether or not Data has grown from this experience or not. But I think um, in his case, since you know, he supposedly doesn't have any emotions, you kind of have to show it to, to get the point across. But we get that... But what... But we get that kind of to an extent just by staying on his face a little bit longer after Yar beats away. And the real thing with data is, of course, you know, is that we are, it's always going to be a question. It's always a debate. It's always a question about does he really have emotions or not. And we're never, fortunately, we're never going to get some pure answer to that. Um, so even when it's something that's still ambivalent, I'm okay with that. You know, it's probably good for me. But I see what you're saying. I, 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 I see what you're saying. I see what you're going for. It could go either way. Maybe it was just more for Riker. We needed to see that Riker was growing as an individual. Well, Riker <laughs> felt betrayed by a blonde. Mm. <laughs> not something he experienced. Um, uh, what's this episode about? Have we? Well, um, I think for me, it's it's a little bit of um, the kind, a little bit of the don't judge a book by its cover. But I think more specifically, it's that we we often see what we want to see, you know, I mean, the, the only explanation for this whole crew or, or so many of our main characters being taken in by this is that they want to see her, want to see Tasha in this person, you know, they, cause you miss, you miss that person. And so they want, you know, they want to have that back. And so, you know, that's, it's, it's like, yeah, if, if like the, you know, it opened with the poker thing and the bluff thing, as we, as we alluded to, um, the the being fooled but a lot of times it's it's our emotions that you know drive us to not see things objectively and that's how we get fooled sometimes and that's how this person pulled this off well in a way it's the same thing that happened in suddenly human you know they wanted to see yeah the human in this boy come out and him uh you know long for to be reunited with his long lost family because that's logical to them mm-hmm. you know because that that is the happy ending in their mind to that story. Uh, so it kind of forced that on him with disastrous consequences, you know, and, and, and here they're just incapable of stepping back and um, really looking at Ishara as her own person, you know? Mm-hmm. We didn't mention, oh, we didn't mention, I think Deanna is the only one that didn't get taken in by Ishara. <laughs> I, I know I'm getting off a little topic here, but I think when when um, Picard says that line, they cut to cut to Deanna, and it almost looks like she's rolling her eyes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she got some power over them or something. It's like, oh, okay. But now I, I agree with what you guys said about um, you know, seeing seeing more than you know you you get uh, you could do this in life. You you see the you see more than that's actually there. Um. And yeah, it can get you in a, it can get you into trouble, and it, it almost got them into serious trouble in this episode. All right, well, <clears throat> I think we've covered it. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, great. Six degrees for legacy. 
Uh, Steve has three. Adam has one. Um, Adam? Yes. Christopher Michael plays in the credits at the end credits man number one. An actually credited part for the guy that tells Riker and the away team to follow him to his leader when they first arrive on the planet. In DS9's fourth season, he played a member of the Defiant Bridge crew when Worf was on trial for what action? For firing on an unarmed freighter, Klingon freighter. That is correct. Uh, transport, transport full of Klingon civilians. Uh, Steve? As the 80th episode of Next Gen, Legacy was a milestone in Trek in that it surpassed the 79 episodes of the original series. There are several references to that final episode of the original series in this episode of The Next Generation. Name the final episode of the original series. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, shoot. <laughs> Um, not coming up with it. Yeah, you're gonna know when you hear it, Adam. You could tie it for the day. Yeah, got no clue. Turnabout intruder. Mm. <laughs> I can <laughs> picture it. I remember the notion of it, but yeah. Yeah, uh, Kirk switches with the yeah. girl. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so a um, not a bad day, but uh, three relatively unremarkable episodes. But you know, gotta get through these two because in a couple of weeks, I believe. Reunion is one of the first on the ducket, hmm. which I remember loving that episode. I haven't watched it in a while, but I hope, hope that holds up. Um, let's see. So we'll be back in two weeks to talk about the next three episodes of Next Gen. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. That's at Trek Companion. Our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. That's how people find us. We appreciate that. And uh, until next time, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye. See you. See you.